And our reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Uh, please excuse the children who might be a bit noisy, so you have to bear with them this morning because we don't have Sunday school. And also excuse my, my voice as well, I've had a little bit of a cold. And rest assured, I also got tested for COVID because I was coughing a lot that I'm negative. So, um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, it reads, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from, every, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Reveal your word to your people this morning that they may be enthused to pray. Not only to pray, but to trust you. To know the love that you have for them. Open your words to them this morning. Open their hearts to your word, Lord. And change them. And it is, your word says, dwell in them through your spirit. I pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, good morning again. Uh, one of the most awkward things that Christians do has to be praying. So it is also very difficult for uh, someone who is not a Christian to understand or to even get into it. It, is, it was hard for me when I first became a believer um, to, to pray. First of all, because I didn't know how to pray. And like most people, I learned praying by imitating those who were praying in front of me. Because that's, that's how we pray anyway. We learn by imitating others. It became more and more confident in prayer 
as I've prayed. Because prayer is a bit like riding a bicycle. You don't really learn about it from a book. You actually need to do it. I pray that... Oh, excuse me. I... I learned to pray by continuing to pray, by doing it, going beyond what the people who were near me were doing, by, 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 by doing it and establishing a, my own relationship with God. The Bible also teaches us that we learn to pray by reading the word of God. So by uh, literally seeing how God teaches us to pray through his word. Because there are a lot of prayers in the Bible. By reading those examples, we learn how to pray ourselves. We learn how to pray properly. We learn how to pray beyond the praying for food, beyond the repetition of the same words. We learn to be concerned about what God is concerned about. We learn, we learn to, uh, to, to, to get into the mind of God. We repeat God's words back to him. That is what you're going to be doing this morning. The passage we're looking at is concerned with prayer. It is concerned with not only with what to pray, but with how to pray and why we pray. It is concerned with what concerns God. What is at the heart of God? That through it, that we ourselves may learn to pray properly. So, the passage comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses uh, 14 to 21. And it begins with, in verses 14 with a foundation for prayer. The foundation for prayer being a relationship with God, the fatherhood of God. Verses 14 to 15. Uh, look there with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in the heaven and on earth derives its name. Whenever you see the word for or for this reason, you need to think to yourself, what reason is, uh, is this person talking about? Which means that you need to look back at what has been said in the passage before that. You will notice if you look back in chapter 3 that even uh, verses 1 of chapter 3 begins with the same word for this reason. Then Paul goes into a discussion about ministry which you looked at last week at all. Paul follows verse 1 with uh, of chapter 3 with 
we've talked about how that the fact that God works through the church to save. That is a mystery of the gospel. Which means, therefore, that if, you, if, if chapter 3, verses 1 starts with the same thing, that for this reason, that you need to look beyond that. You need to look at chapter 2. At what Paul said in chapter 2. <coughs> and we learned in chapter 2 that we believers have been saved by God. And this salvation is a gift of God. It does not come from anything that we ourselves have done, but it is something that God gives to us. And therefore, we, live in, we should live in praise of God because of that, because of his work in Christ. So because of what you learn in chapter 2, you learn, therefore, that this is the role of, of the people of God, that God has chosen to work among his people um, in, through the church in chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. And then the second thing we learn is what we see in chapter 14 to 15. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. For this reason, because God has saved in chapter 2, and he continues to, and he continues to do his work through the church, chapter 3, verses 1 to, uh, to 13, we who belong to the church, we pray. We pray before the Father. We kneel before the Father. And who is this Father? He is the ultimate Father. He's not just any Father. As a matter of fact, He is the Father after whom every family is derived. He is the, uh, he is the prototype, as it were. He is the one who comes first. He is the ultimate father. All other family structures are derivatives of this original. He is the one who defines family. The one who defines care, love, compassion, discipline, provision, security. <coughs> what you see in our families are only echoes of who God is. As the first, there's the one who has a relationship with himself, through the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the one we are praying to. Therefore, we kneel before him. And what are we praying? The foundation is the fatherhood of God, and the fatherhood that is far better than the fatherhood that is found in the family because the, uh, the fatherhood of God is the first, is the superior one. And the family on earth and in, and in heaven is only a derivative of that. Then what are we praying exactly? We see two prayers in the section you're going to be looking at this morning. The first prayer is a prayer for power in the inner being. It's a prayer for power in the innermost being. 
uh, some other uh, versions will say. Verses 16 to the first part of 17. It reads, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, this Father may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul prays that through the power of the Spirit that God would strengthen you. Would not just strengthen uh, you, but would strengthen what is at the core of you. Your inner being. Through the agency of the Spirit of God, that the, 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 the inner man or the innermost part of us would be strengthened. This, part, this passage, the, the inner man, uh, is found in another passage in, uh, in the Bible, which is uh, 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 to 17. And it talks about the, the core of who we are. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 17 for a moment. I'll give you a second. <coughs> 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. It reads, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Though outwardly, verses 16 again, though our bodies are wasting away, the inner man, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light, momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is unseen. <coughs> what Paul is talking about here is the fact that as one who is suffering, as one who is uh, getting older, as the one who is aging, outwardly he is wasting away. Doesn't have the same energy as he used to. Anymore. Not teenagers anymore. But he's saying that though our bodies seem to be wasting away, the cramps and knees and headaches, colds and coughing, inwardly. We are being renewed by God. He is making us into better and better people. <coughs> so, the image here is that as this body on the outside gets worse, but its inside is getting better. Be contrary to what we see, isn't it? But you see, older people, sometimes they, they don't seem to get better. They seem to get crankier, more and more difficult to deal with. 
But with Paul, it's different. He's saying, we are being renewed inside. We are given strength in our innermost being. So what is Christ, what is Paul saying here in the passage that you're looking at in verses uh, 16? He's saying that our innermost being, he's praying for power, for strength in the innermost being, that through the Spirit of God, that Christ may dwell there. What is what does this mean? What does verse 17 mean? In the purpose of this, of this power that Paul is praying for, is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does that mean? It moves on to now away from the image of uh, the person who is wasting away in the body. He moves to the image of a house. A house that one dwells in or lives in. He says, verse 17, so that Christ may live in your heart through faith. She says that by you becoming a believer, that you may become a dwelling place for God through faith. Think about it. Think about a house for a moment. What happens when you rent a new place is that you find the house empty. When you saw it, you had other people's, other people's furniture in it. Hopefully they remove all of their stuff and you move in. What happens is that you, you put up decorations. You move the furniture the way that you like it. It reflects your style. It reflects who you are. That is what Paul is talking about here. That as Christ dwells inside the believer, the believer changes. They begin to reflect more and more of who God is. They begin to, uh, as they are being renewed, they begin to uh, resemble, they taste and uh, and. Uh, the things that Christ does not like get moved away, get chased out. We begin to manifest who Christ is inside. Christ shapes them into his own image. He brings them, uh, other passages will say, into Christian maturity. They become more and more like Jesus as Christ transforms them through his work. They become a visible manifestation of who God is. That is not the, the essence of the first part of this prayer. He prays that in who they are, what is at the core of the people in Philippi, that sin may be stripped away that Christ may dwell in them by faith. He prays that they may be people who are grounded and modified or decorated by Jesus. He 
He prays that when other people come in and look at who you are, the essence, when your body has been destroyed by cancer, by illnesses, by emotional difficulties of life, that what may be found would be a person who trusts and has confidence in Jesus. But at the core of who we are as human beings, as people, deep inside our heart, in our inner man, would exist Christ and faith in him. That's the first prayer. The second uh, part of this passage, the second prayer is he prays that they would understand the limitless love of God. And this is found in, in the second part of verse 17 to, to verses 19. He prays, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. He's already said something similar to this in chapter 1, by the way, if you remember. Um, in chapter 1, he has told us that believers are, in a way, uh, chosen by God, predestined by God, elected by God, because God loved them. He loved them first. That's why he chose them. This is 4 to 5. For, this, uh, for he chose us in, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. So in other words, we've already been loved by God. We've already been uh, favored by him. Which is why in verse 17 he says, you who is rooted and established in love, you who is now with God because you are loved by God. You who is rooted, that is at the essence of a tree, if you think about it, is the root, if you cut the root, the tree will be no more, dries and falls away. You who is established in love, you who has a foundation in love, another, uh, that's another way of putting that Greek word. If without the foundation, the whole thing falls apart. He says, this has already happened to you. He's not praying that you, um, that you love God more. But he's praying that you may grasp that. You may understand that. That you may understand the width, the, uh, the, the width, basically, the height, the depth of the love of God. Verses 18, he says, I pray that you may grasp it. You may grasp how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is. And he moves here between metaphors, between different ways of measuring it. Imagine he takes out a, a measuring tape and he says, wow, this is how long it is. I can measure it in meters. 
but he points the measuring tape downwards. He says, no, no, no. It's not just long, but it's deep as well. He puts the stick, as it were, I think that's what they use to measure the depth of the ocean, of, of water, and puts it down to measure how deep it is. And he goes further. He measures how high it is as well. This is not talking about your love for Christ. He is talking about Christ's love for you. He says, I pray that you get that. You who has been called to, uh, to, 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 to make space for, heart, for, 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 for Christ in your heart. He says to them, the reason for that is because Christ loves you. Deeply. He loves you more than you can imagine. This is 19. It's as if he has measured this love. He has measured the depth, the length of it. The height of it. And he says, I tried to even understand it. But this love surpasses knowledge. This is not to say that this love is unknowable. Because he is letting us know the depth of it, the, uh, the length of it, the height of it, the height of it. But what he is saying here is a bit similar to when you say to someone, you will never know how much I love you. I just come from a wedding last week, and there's a lot of that. Never know how much I, I love you, how devoted I am to you at the wedding. This does not, that does not mean that the person is not going to show that they love you. It just means that their actions are going to be limited to, to demonstrate what is in their heart for you. I think that's what Paul means here as well. It's not that God's life is unknowable. Is that you cannot know it fully. So therefore, it is a life that we should continue to pursue to know. After we think we have grasped it, just know that we have grasped a fraction of it. Continue to pursue it. Continue to desire it. Continue to search its depth. To search its height. Its distance. Continue to pursue it because his love is immeasurable. This is a challenge to us. You say that you think you know God, you think you know what he has done for you. He has done more than you can know. He has done more than you can understand. The one who is saying make space for me in your heart loves you more than you can know. <coughs> and then he ends with a benediction. Yeah, which sort of repeats uh, reaffirms as it were, what, we, what he has said 
in the previous section. It says, His love is unknowable, but even this prayer is coming from a limited mind. And therefore, I'm praying that, you know, I'm praying to the one who can even do more than what I can ask for. Because Paul himself is recognizing his own limitation. Verses 20. It is now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I can, than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. When Christ dwells and spaces open up for him, he can do more than you can imagine. It means he can strengthen, he can enable us to endure more than we can imagine. He can bless more than we can imagine. He's therefore saying that not only is the love of God immeasurable in our ability to understand it. But the dwelling of Christ even within us, we do not understand the value of that as well. When he is within us, with his power at work, at the end of verse 20, he can do immeasurably more than we can ask. And he's doing all of these things for 